what do you do to maintain your own voice and authenticity in what you do? Uh, and is that related to music or just in life? Whichever you think is more interesting. Uh, I guess in, in music, since we're on the topic, um, how do I maintain my own voice? Voice and authenticity. I think you use the word essence as well, if you want to really... Um... Interesting. Yeah. Who asked that? That's a good one. Uh... <laughs> I'll tell you afterwards. I don't think it makes much difference, really, whether you uh, know who it is or not. But um, How do I maintain all that? Uh, probably just, I don't know, just staying true to myself, not really taking outside influence when I'm in the zone of uh, like writing music and uh, expressing my myself and my emotion. I don't really think it's... It, it's anyone's place to like tell me how I should feel or how I should project how I feel. So I guess that's a good way of uh, maintaining authenticity. Yeah. How do, how do you, um, you know, there's obviously that balance where to an extent you, you like every musician to an extent is sort of a sum of their influences in some way. How do you sort of, you know, how do you make sure that you keep the voice that you want without any of these influences sort of overriding too much in any way? Well, I guess it's like different, like when you take like musical influence, that's become like a part of your subconscious and like what you project when you do play. Um, and then just like outside influence, like in life and everything takes a pretty big role in how you project, how you feel and how you write. Um, but yeah, I think just like when you when you listen to music that you're really into, it you kind of subconsciously ingest it, and it kind of projects even more when you when you put it out there, uh, and, and like writing and playing, whether you know it or not. Um, but yeah, like yeah, definitely like knowing that you're influenced by something is also good to like keep in mind when you're writing, so you don't really take too much from it, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I'm a big Alter Bridge fan, and when the first few like bits of things that I wrote on guitar, I think a few of my friends were like, "You you might want to like listen to some other stuff," you know, sort of politely, yeah. like you might want to try some other bands as well. And I I think back about the things I wrote back then, I'm like, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I like to think as as well branched out from there. You you talking about how sort of life affecting your sort of you know maybe your headspace going into the writing? Do do you feel like you know, your mood affects how you write stuff or are you pretty consistent when you pick the instrument up? Oh uh, yeah. I think mood, like I'm a very emotional person. So yeah, I, I think mood affects everything that I do. Uh, when I pick up an instrument, um, whether I'm pissed off, like usually like really, really angry riffs come out and then, um, yeah, like if you're sad or something, it's like easier to like kind of write a chord progression that is meaningful and yeah, and this is kind of how you, I don't know, how you speak through the instrument, you know. It's kind of where words can't really go. So, yeah, using the instrument to kind of project your emotion and, and all that is is really helpful. I feel like some of the riffs you guys have, you've got some long words. Not yeah. for, uh, you know, my, my words are maybe like two or three syllable, you know. Like my reading age of my riffs relatively is maybe <laughs> not as high as yours, I think. Um yeah, I I always find when I'm trying to write stuff, if I'm, I don't know, I I don't feel like if I try and write, I don't feel like if I'm feeling sad, I don't think necessarily a sad thing comes out. I don't know if that's a disconnect that I have somewhere, um, or you know, it's uh, the stereotypes of the angry drummer, you know, going and um, yeah. sort of thrashing on the kit. Like, I just don't feel that. It's not like I don't. It's not like I don't translate what I'm sort of feeling onto into my music. I you know, I do feel conscious of that. I just I don't know if maybe. Um, is that something that I know it's a kind of a cathartic thing and that's almost a, it's almost a cliche to say that, you know, with musicians kind of use it as their form of expression. Do you, do you see it in that, in that kind of same way? I know. I mean, yeah, like you, you had a point like, you know, you're not always, if you're sad, you're not going to always play sad music, but uh, cause you know, you're trying to play something that makes you feel better. So when you, when you're sad and you play your guitar, I think just touching the guitar and hearing sound comes out, makes you feel better. And, and then I don't know, maybe there's some pent up emotion that you just don't really have an outlet for. And then you end up picking up your instrument and then it comes out, whether you know that you're feeling a certain way or not. Um, I mean, I think that's important too, but, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know, just expression in general through an instrument is, is pretty important. Um, and I think just playing in general, like, like I said, like, even if you, 
if you don't know how you feel like you it will come out mm. like in on your instrument through your playing yeah because you, 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 you guys have quite sort of techie music i suppose in the grand spectrum of all music it's really quite far on the techie side if you, if you compare it to like the charts or something you know um mm. when you kind of think of like what that's kind of Where's the difference, do you think, in how, say, you express something through your instrument compared to, say, like a pop musician who's sitting there with a ukulele writing four chord songs? You know, what is there? Is there any difference in how you're trying to express something, or do you think it's all the same kind of medium, just in different sort of, you know, colors and shapes and things? Yeah, I think it's uh, kind of like the whole. It's like the whole same, like the same thing. You know, like everyone has ways of outlet. Um, whether it be pop music, jazz, or death metal, or whatever, um, you're all getting something out of your system and putting it out in the world. Um, not to say that one's better than the other, or one sounds better than the other, or anything, but it's just, yeah, it's all about the human connection of the instrument and, and like putting it out there. Mm. I, I, I saw a, um, a clip where you're saying that you used to be like the full sort of metal snob, right? Is that. I forgot that yeah, right, kind I mean, of, yeah, when I was younger, I used to be a pretty big elitist when it came to metal, and and like I don't know, I liked my metal only a certain way. And when I was a kid, you know, just kind of went through it. But yeah, now that I'm older, I'm kind of over all that shit. <laughs> yeah, I I always like my analogy is I always liken it to like coffee with like the heavier music where you have like your you know your iced frapper whatever chino, and that's like I don't know maybe it's like really light metal. Maybe that's just like Nickelback or something, you know? Yeah. And then you have, and then you like, you want a bit more oomph and you get like, I don't know, you, you get a latte or something. Um, yeah. And that's maybe like, what would that be? Who I don't know who that would be. Like someone a bit more rocky. Maybe that's like Black Sabbath or something. Or, yeah. Or yeah. Like, like a little darker. Yeah. And then eventually you're drinking like three or four shots of espresso a day and that's like your blast beats and stuff, you know, and that's exactly. just where we're at now. It's yeah. Not in the world. But then you start to realize that like the, the sugary there's a place for for all of it in some way what's the um you know a lot of people go through a kind of um i I don't think it's uncommon for people there's a couple of things in the sort of metal listener and musician world one thing is you definitely i'm sure you're not the only person to have gone through the like metal snob i'm sure i've kind of been there like the sort of metal snob place and then you kind of come around to and most people come around to the idea of Okay, yeah, there is value in other stuff. And another thing is a lot a lot of people seem to have like a phase of metal music, you know. And I always find it quite condescending when people say, Oh, I had a metal phase. I'm like, cheers, thanks for telling me that. Um what do you think it is about this? I, I feel like there's uh, it, for me, my thinking behind it is that I think metal music seems to maybe come to people at a certain time in their life and then um you know it's quite often it's quite a it's seen as quite a cathartic kind of genre right it's quite a sort of um you don't go to it just for like a for no reason i don't think i might be maybe i'm wrong i don't know um but do you think that kind of finding metal at a certain time in your life do you think that kind of is part of what maybe got you into it or or is it just something you've always liked yeah i don't know i uh kind of grew up around metal like my my dad my uncle my mom like they're all in a heavy rock like black sabbath and then like prog bands like rush and king crimson and you know i was like surrounded by like eddie van halen records my a lot of my family were musicians so i was just surrounded by like guitar music and and you know rock music which eventually led to you know things that i needed to be faster and louder and and heavier um and then it kind of just led me down the path to where we're at now i think like through high school too you know like being a young kid full of angst and of like hormones and everything you know like having having metal there was like a you know like it became more of an identity and and like helped kind of pave the way through through like i don't know adolescence into adulthood and just kind of I don't know, help help me kind of contextualize like emotions and how to deal with them and how to let it out. So I think metal was like always a good place to just kind of have free form for any emotion because it's like such a vast, broad uh, music spectrum within just metal that you can literally do anything. And I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? Like it's like kind of like jazz, you know, it's just kind of like, like open for anything to happen. It's just a little heavier than other kinds of music. 
Yeah, I, I think I sort of almost borderline insulted one of my jazz friends when he put on a uh, a jazz backing track or like a tune or something, and I literally just played some random notes in a jazzy sort of way, and he went, "That sounded all right." <laughs> like, Sorry, man, I just I just made all of that up. I don't know what any of that was, and he was like, "Oh, that kind of worked though." Like, okay, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe I've got a hidden talent. I don't know, um, but yeah, the, the, what. Um, uh, rather than spinning that on my bullshit, um, wh- when in terms of like your identity with music, what how do you f- feel like your sort of relationship between your identity and music has sort of shifted since you know since you started getting into it properly? Uh, I don't know. I think I've gotten a lot more mature with it, and yeah, I, like dropped the whole like elitist thing. Like you know, when you're younger and you like your identity becomes like metal and death metal and all that, and it's like you kind of feel like the black sheep because of it. And, uh, I don't know, you, you face a certain amount of criticism because of the music that you're in new. And then I think you, you retreat further into that, uh, identity of like, you know, fuck society, fuck everything. That's not like, you know, what I like. And if you don't like me, then you're against me kind of thing. And I don't know if some people fall into that, but I fell into that in high school and um, I think, you know, growing up, it kind of just fell out of it. Like, oh, maybe it's not so grim and dark, you know, all, all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, in the, the same identity is there with metal, you know, like I, I just have like a wider uh, music palette now. So, um, yeah, there's never not going to go away. Like for me, like metal was never a phase, you know, it's kind of just like a part of who I am. And I feel like a lot of people in this scene, it's just kind of identify the same way as it. This is kind of like who you are, you know, like maybe you've gone through different phases of elitism or like <laughs> passion when it comes to metal, but I feel like we're all doing this because we love it. You know, it's not like we're making much money. So I think that's the only the sort of the only bit of elitism that, uh, that remains in my, in my head is the fact that, you know, there's, I feel like generally, I don't know. I feel like generally speaking, sometimes when you get into the more technical music, whether that's metal or um, or or jazz or, or anything, you kind of the people that are doing it for anything more than the sort of the self expression. I feel like some of them start to sort of drop off because I think you you know you're you're expressing quite a complex thing really through quite complex music, and naturally it's not going to appeal to this huge huge audience that sort of pop music does. So you know, ultimately, I mean, it's a long way around saying you don't make as much money as you know. I don't know, Ed Sheeran or someone, um, yeah, yeah. you know, um, and that's, I think that's the only bit of, I don't want to call it elitism, but I, maybe pride that I guess I have in being a somewhat pride, part probably. of Yeah. But I don't feel like that's necessary. Is pride always a bad thing? I don't know. Um, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I just, I think some people would maybe just get more joy out of having the freedom and, and ability to play metal. And, um, I mean, you can also like expand further like i mean nurgle from behemoth has like a country band and he sings in it and he's able to do that while kind of still maintaining his like black metal image within it which is pretty cool um but yeah like i mean i don't know it's just the freedom of art you know it's great to have that ability and skill yeah do you have any urges you know in a parallel universe to sort of to do to take a different avenue whether it's music or other forms of art or other sort of just creative stuff yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm fortunate enough to work in fine art uh, outside of music, so I get you know a little bit of that world. Um, and then also, like, I went to school for music composition and uh, like film score, so I've been actively trying to get more into that industry and make connection. And I've done like a couple of cues here and there, but uh, my, yeah, my main passion I think still is like film score, um, and and just the the freedom through that too that's definitely still like a goal of mine to get to that point of being a you know like a really big film uh, composer but we'll see so that is that the is that the big dream the, the film the film the sort of film score side of things yeah if you had yeah, to yeah definitely that's what i like spent like that's why i moved to la and and went to school for and uh still like you know have a lot of influence with that in like the zenith passage uh and a lot of musical endeavors i do is just like the the drama behind um you know just like film music yeah so how, how do you feel how do you how when you see something you know a, a vision when you see a visual piece whatever it is minus any music or maybe even when you see it with someone else's music like 
how do you what do, do you see i mean it's almost like almost i'm kind of asking i guess almost like it do you have is there sort of an element of like synesthesia almost where you know do, do you see an expression on someone's face and think oh that's a minor nine chord that's going to go with that or you know i know i'm being a bit silly but like um do you if you see something like that is there do you feel an immediate crossover to what you think that would be represented as in your head as a musical kind of component i mean yeah when you when i when i view film or see things that happen in reality that uh i don't know maybe you can you can get like some influence from you kind of just start playing music in your head or i don't know but kind of set a tone depending on your mood you can set a tone given the 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 motion that's happening in picture um uh capturing tone i think is everything with with that kind of you know music and when writing music for like the zenith passage like i have a lot of visuals that pop in my head when writing it and i kind of just follow the thread when it comes to that um so yeah like, there's always like i think it's like a a visual medium paired with you know music is kind of essential so i kind of always try to you know borrow from one or the other when when you know writing music what do you think has been like the most influential film score to you musically or, or otherwise uh, i'd say blade runner the original blade runner um yeah, I mean, Vangelis is is a genius uh, with synth music, and it's played a huge role and and shaped me as a musician. And then you know, like obviously, like Philip Glass. Philip Glass is a huge influence on me too, and I think his uh, his idea of just rhythmic movement is is freaking amazing. Um, but yeah, those two composers are a pretty massive influence on me. Mm. Have you seen? Uh, is it Danny Elfman? He's got like a yeah, that's, Danny Elfman too. I love that guy. He's uh he's got a great musical mind too, and yeah, everything that guy does is pure gold. Isn't he a bit of a metalhead? Am I right? Has he got like a project or something? A metal? Yeah, he has his like solo project, and uh, actually Neely Broche uh, plays guitar in his solo project, which is pretty damn cool. Um, but yeah, he's definitely got some you know metal in him. He's like you know Mr. Bungle's like got some metal influence in it and punk and everything. Hmm. Oh, so what, you know, oh, Boingo. I'm sorry. I said Mr. Bungle. Yeah. I mean, honestly, my, yeah, I, I kind of didn't know if I connected the dots there or not. Like, um, I, I don't think I've ever, it's too, too, I mean, I don't think I've ever listened to Mr. Bungle. I don't know. Does that just, is that like, end the call worthy bad or is it just like, I don't know, Mr. Bungle's tie is like really quirky and really kind of, he gets dark. It's kind of like a whole plethora of emotion in, in that band. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and then another one I've not listened to that I feel I should is Emperor. I've just I saw your shirt and I was like, Oh yeah, I because yeah, I, I know Mark Holcomb. So I chatted to him a few I don't know, a few episodes ago, and I know he's a big fan. I've never I don't I couldn't name a single song. Oh man, you got to check him out. Um, yeah, they just they just came to the United States for the first time in like sixteen years, or toured the United States first time in sixteen years. So yeah, they played anthems, um, which is like a really big. That's their second album, uh, and yeah, like. I watched them both nights in a row. Uh, they played in LA, then they played in Orange County, which is a little bit south of LA. And I watched them both nights. It was amazing. But yeah, like I love Emperor. Yeah, I've, I've, I, what's like one? What's one song I should check out by them? Because I've literally never listened to. It's all un like, untouched for me. I feel like a good like. I feel like it's probably their most. Like well, I th I wouldn't say this their most well known song, but I feel like in the worldless chamber is like a good gateway into Emperor because it's got a lot of really amazing like orchestral moments in it, and um, it's definitely a lot more orchestral than their previous works. And I think that that record um, was the record that Ishan wrote entirely himself. Um, but yeah, like in the worldless chamber is great. Like check out that song; it's really good. Yeah, check the the one connection I have to. Uh to Ishan is has that how you say his name Ishan Sean yeah, yeah. he uh, the one connection I have is I had Bard from Leprous on and he talked about playing um, filling in for him or something and I think he messed up a song or something and sent the click out the PA or something like that um, and then he and then he I made a little clip of that and he like shared it that's that's about as close as I've got um, to yeah, that's right because uh, Leprous is is Ishan's live band and a, and his um, I believe his wife his wife's brother 
is the drummer and the singer or the old singer. So that's they have like this connection to Leprous. It's pretty neat. Oh, that that would explain a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how how did you kind of get into in terms of like the film scoring stuff? What and you said you're also in sort of working in fine art like day to day. It sounds like you're pretty surrounded by artsy kind of stuff does do you ever need to just switch off from like creative stuff and just do something completely sort of mind-numbingly like you know um i don't want to say boring but you know what i mean just like sort of um something that you don't need to engage with do you ever need to switch off from that or can you just keep sort of switching through these creative kind of outlets well the thing about like where i work in fine art is like i have the access and the creative output in in that world but i also do like very mind-numbing tasks and building some of the pieces that i build um so yeah i mean i kind of get the best of both worlds in in that industry is like i get to you know have the creative output and the creative you know exploration there and then also getting the mind-numbing part of it and then uh i don't know i think drum programming is very mind-numbing but also therapeutic uh i'd like program drums on this last record that we put out and um there is a lot of creative creativity to it but there's also a lot of like extreme repetition to it but and then like you know adjusting velocities per hit and like i went through and got really really crazy with a lot of the human humanizing the drums a lot so i mean that got pretty mind-numbing and then uh, I'm like learning like Python because I'm trying to get in more into like software development. So like that's kind of mind numbing or it's using a different part of my brain, I feel like. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of a little different. Where, where does, it um, sounds like you got a lot of pursuits. Like what, what's the, uh, do you think there's something about you that is quite, uh, what's the word? Like, I guess capable of, you know, some people, they just, they have their thing and that's, that's what they do. Do you think there's anything about you personally that kind of, you know, where you find yourself more drawn to like doing a collection of things or do you want to just, like you talk about the film score, do you want to just have that one thing and sort of ditch all these other pursuits? Where are you at with all of that? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm still just pursuing everything like that I I can. Like I always try to, you know, stay driven and have goal orient. Like I'm pretty goal oriented. So I try to like, you know, keep my eye on the prize. Um, but yeah, like film score is still a thing, but it's like such a very saturated market that it's very difficult to, uh, pursue. Um, but it's not like, I'm not going to continue to pursue that, but, um, I don't know. Plus like, I've always had like an itch for like software development and now that seeing the way that our world's going with, um, you know, artificial intelligence becoming kind of more prominent and technology taking up more than like half of our life. I think it's kind of important to delve more into that industry um you know i think it's kind of like a future-proof industry so (laughs) trying to get a little you know trying to get capable of doing some stuff with that too but yeah like i'm i like to keep busy and you know keep my mind fresh and like learn new things so proof your future in that yeah it's important important uh i kind of think i wonder if i do wonder at what point songs and yeah, they're already kind of doing that to an extent, aren't they? Sort of making, you know, they're putting like Chester Bennington on songs now, like, you know, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, which is, it's, I can, you can hear it's not like him, you know, um, but I only, it's only a matter of time, I think, before songs start kind of getting, um, you know, and I do wonder, where do you think, it, you know, I, something I th- thought was interesting is like the question of what, how do we value creativity? Because, do we value creativity just because of what it outputs or do we value the inherent process? Because if you just value what it outputs, then if a computer does it, then it doesn't matter, does it really? Because then it's like, if all you value is just what comes out the other end. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, like for me, it's all about the journey. Um, the output is just as important too. And I don't know, I think like eventually, you know, when technological singularity is there and, AI is is replicating all these these bands that we love and expanding on their catalog and uh, I still think there's a human element that is just always going to be missed from like music that's like algorithmically created because it's like kind of inevitable at this point like that's going to happen Um, but there's always going to be a human element to creativity that can't be mimicked by a computer so and I think most people can identify that, but I guess we'll see. Time will tell. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, I do. I I don't know what. Um, yeah, I've sort of um, beaten this analogy to death on the podcast, but um, I always talk about playing chess and how I only ever play against an actual person online. You know, just because I I want to have that connection. I, I'm not interested in playing against a robot, even though it's the exact same thing. Like I could mm. just play against a robot that's like the same rating as all the people I play against, and it could even change as I go. But I just want to have that connection you know i think that so i do think that will stay i have some hope there um how that's going to pan out i don't know because we're not there yet they're there with chess like all the robots are better than everyone oh um, yeah didn't they just beat like that uh like world famous chess master they beat right. gary kasparov like 20 years ago or something like yeah um yeah so it's it's everything and stormed i remember seeing footage of that it's crazy <laughs> yeah 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 so i, I like to think i hope that that carries over into other creative pursuits you know because i think the songs will probably just get so good and i just kind of i think what will probably happen is hopefully something a bit like where i could play against the best chess computer in the world but i kind of think what's the point you know and i think it's hopefully i'm hoping fingers crossed that's what people will do and i'm hoping that's what i do kind of when i just hear all this brilliant music that will start getting churned out there'll be so much of it it's like well so much of it now that it's almost unimportant, you know, because it's yeah. all everything's so brilliant. So I might as well just listen to what a person's doing, you know. But the thing about what music and and games, it's like it's social, you know. So it's like you can't. It's hard to mimic, you know, human connection and social interaction. So it's always going to be, you know, relevant, and maybe that's why you pursue. Uh, wanting to only play chess with a human because of maybe the social engagement that comes with that um and the expectation of social engagement and i think the same thing comes with you know music and live music is like it's a social gathering and it's as much as important it is to like digest it and listen to it as it is to like socially interact and digest it too yeah i think that sort of human element the social element particularly is maybe something that we don't acknowledge particularly when you know you're talking about things like sort of programming parts and stuff it doesn't feel in the moment as sociable maybe nowadays with how you know you just it, a lot of this stuff goes online and it goes onto instagram and all that kind of stuff and um ironically even in a social media but um i feel like it may be because so much music is now happening behind closed doors and then going out to the world rather than happening you know sort of in real time as much you know it, um nowadays i feel like yeah you kind of it's easy to lose that sort of social element um do you feel like that kind of do you feel like that social side of music has disappeared a little bit with the way things are or not really yeah i think uh i think it definitely has like through social media which is you know social media is great too and it also has like a lot of problems on the world but yeah i think it's definitely lost a lot of the community that it once had you know and i think like, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of an older musician now. So I grew up when you had to, like, I used to hand out demos, like our Zenith Passage EP. I handed out demos to that, like, back in 2010. Um, you know, like, back in the 90s, like, I don't remember this, like, because I wasn't in the scene then. I was still a kid. But pressing record on the radio with your tape cassette, you know, and recording a song on the on the radio, like, I, I used to love doing that, and that was how I was able to, you know listen to music a lot and then in the back in like the the black metal days they would they would all or not even black metal just like metal in general they like a big thing was just trading cassettes with everyone and and copying cassettes over to make your own like kind of like p2p kind of thing like back in the day it's like peer-to-peer but with like physical cassettes (laughs) so i mean that was like a huge thing back in the 90s too and like i think that community kind of disappeared and then like i don't know like magazines and like just seeing like how how metal bands kind of took off through through like written magazines and like fan letters and like things that you can physically hold and feel and see and i think like the the whole thing right now with music is it's it's all access over ownership um and i think a lot of people kind of are losing the a little bit of the meaning of of like holding a physical album and opening the book liner and like seeing like everything like all the lyrics all the credits like smelling it like feeling it like 
I think that's like a sensation that is kind of going away and it's kind of kind of sad. Mm. Yeah, I, I, t- I totally know what you mean. It's funny you talk as something as little as smelling it. I know what you mean. Like it's, it's the whole kind of it. You could, I, I might I risk sounding a bit sort of, you know, um, uh, stuck up going to be a bit sort of sensory thing, but like, it, it, I think it, it is in some way, you know, not just music, like all form, all of this stuff. It's like, there's more, um, I mean, it's like you said, there's more to it than just the art itself. And I think, yeah, it's, but then you got to wonder maybe we'll, you know, vinyl came back and is still kind of hanging yeah, around. Yeah. And I was thinking the other day, do you reckon like magazines will come back? You know, like I know they still exist and they're still around, but, um, you know, things like um, all your metal or just music magazines, they're still, you know, they've still got all the classic ones. But um, I kind of wonder if maybe they'll come back. People just get fed up of looking at all these websites. It's like, I want to just, you know, maybe I want to see all my music reviews and, you know, all that stuff just in, in a physical thing. Um, yeah, it's all part of the experience, you know, like just touching and feeling it and, and like, and, and just taking it in has, I think it has a lot more meaning and might be even a little more impactful when you can physically hold like you know something like that like even like flipping through a book like i don't i like i don't i have like a kindle and like reading on a kindle is like way different than holding a book and and feeling the page and hearing the sound of a page turn like there's almost like a emotional connection to like turning a page like it's almost like a successful feeling like like a little mini dopamine release flipping a page because you've just made one step closer to you know progressing the story and finishing the story so i know there's like a lot of little things like that that probably come into play when having like a physical medium to you know digest and and take in hmm. i started trying to read um dostoevsky and turning a page is like it's like <laughs> oh my god i did it <laughs> like i made another page it was uh yeah I, I i can't yeah i think i'm only like 100 pages in it's like a thousand pages long yeah. <laughs> okay. This is uh, what? What do you read? What's your like go to? Um, I don't know. I kind of haven't really been reading too much lately, just because of of the record. But I'm like really into science fiction, like Michael Crichton. I've been a huge fan of Michael Crichton, and then, um, I don't know. I was like always into like old like like Tom Clancy stuff, and then uh, Ken Follett was another one, like kind of like fantasy, like history kind of thing. Um. And then, like, I don't know, there's, like, always, like, I always wanted to read the Tibetan Book of the Dead. This is, like, a lot of important information on life in there, apparently, from what I keep hearing from everyone. So that's, like, another piece of literature I want to kind of take in, but I haven't really had the time. Yeah, I feel like a, a something that's, um, we've become so hyper-fixated on pr- productivity nowadays that um, part, sometimes my head goes to, well, why don't I just read the summary? But it's like, it's not the same thing, is it? You're never going to get the same, especially if it's like a novel, you know. Um, I kind of, yeah, especially some of these books that are maybe not like self-help, but, you know, like, um, what, what would you say? Like reflective and make you, hopefully uh, make you think. Um, I don't know if there's a word for make you think, making you think. Is that yeah. a way to describe books like that? I don't know. Thought-provoking, that's probably it. Um, the irony of not me, me not being able to think of that is pretty pretty great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's, um, yeah, it's kind of sad. There's something you mentioned earlier that um, you talked about being quite like goal sort of oriented. Um, do you, How do you balance, this is something I was watching a video on earlier that I'd be interested to hear your take on. How do you balance being happy with where you are and being content with the things around you, which is the ultimate goal for most people. Um, how do you balance that living in the moment with having that drive to go forward and find the things and pursue the things that you feel will take you where you want to be in life? Yeah, it's kind of, I feel like I get wrapped up in the end goal. Um, and then maybe sometimes forget the journey, but I also try to stop and appreciate the journey. And, you know, it's just like when you're doing a road trip in a car and it's like, yeah, you're kind of fixated on the destination, but you can also look out the window and appreciate everything that's, you know, flying by you and maybe take a moment to be grateful for being able to even do that. And I think with music, it's kind of the same thing. And, you know, like this, this album I did, Data Elysium is like a massive, massive achievement because I just didn't think I'd ever be able to complete it because the amount of work that I put into it is just like almost killed me. So, um, yeah, I think like 
now now that I've gotten it out, I just don't know what to do. And it's kind of like, what do I do now? <laughs> it's like kind of like weird, a weird sensation, like, you know, six, seven years of building up to this point and it's finally out. And I think the suffering along the way and the victory of just writing and recording the record is, I think, more important than the outcome sometimes just because of what you learn about yourself and, you know, what you learn about, like you know recording and like the discipline it takes to make something like that is 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 very rewarding um but yeah like and i think the journey is almost imp- more important than the destination sometimes but what do you feel like you have learned about yourself from the process of getting this album right from day dot where it started through to where you are now um I don't know. I think don't like writing albums. <laughs> yeah, I, I think just uh, I don't know, just staying focused and um, trying to I don't know, just stay motivated and driven and and just picking up your instrument kind of just I don't know, always makes me feel like I got something important to do or something to achieve. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky one, I think, um, trying to have that thing, trying to know what that thing is that you're trying to achieve, I think is, I've been stuck in a spot of like, I don't really know where, I know I want to do music and I don't want to write music, but I don't really know where, uh, what direction I want to take. Any advice on where to go? If I don't know, I know I want to, I, I used to be in a metal band and now I'm not, uh-huh. still love music, still want to write music and been working on my singing a lot don't know if i want to just write acoustic songs or if i want to be in like another metal band but front it but then that's difficult because i want to write techie riffs but i can't do that and sing and you know um that's a small bundle of the problems <laughs> in my head um what would you advise yeah i mean i don't know I, I like i had writer's block and i got stuck uh and i took a break like it's probably why it's taking so long to get this record out is like i took a break after leaving a band that i was in and um and I kind of just like explored a different palette, uh, you know, like harmonically that wasn't really metal and, and then coming circling back and then just continuing to write no matter what, like just writing something as long as you don't even use it, like you don't have to use it or have any like notion of putting it out. But I think it's just like riding a bike. Like you got to like ride it and then, and like exercising a muscle, you know, you always got to exercise that creative muscle and, I think that really helps in kind of helping you figure out what you're going to do and you can kind of learn about yourself and all that stuff. Yeah. And I noticed you talked, you sort of mentioned technology and that's one of the sort of themes in the album, right? Is that kind of something you sort of touch on? Um, What kind of things were you thinking about or, you know, as a band collectively sort of discussing that brought you to sort of have that as like a theme in the, in the album? Uh, things is like a reflection of society and like, you know, may, where it be from our, our industry, our music industry to like how social media has like its effect on society and, um, you know, just kind of taking a, some sort of, I don't know, poetic attempt at explaining like how technology is infiltrating and dictating society and, where that will lead us and if it's good or if it's bad. Um, so yeah, it's kind of just like an exploration of like technology integrated with humanity. Are you a, like a, a doomer or do you think it will be, do you think all, it will all end positively or somewhere? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think technology has helped us more than it's hurt us. So if that says anything, you can only expect that it'll help us more than it'll hurt us. Hmm. Or maybe we just haven't we haven't seen how it's hurting us. Maybe yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I suppose we're having this cool, aren't we? It wouldn't be able to be a long exactly. flight. Um, you have to really want to do this interview. Oh, <laughs> well, one of yeah. it, well, I suppose one or the other would have to. Yeah. Um, where do you think, like, in terms of your writing process, where do you think can you see technology having more of an involvement in the next, you know, ten years and how you write stuff? Oh yeah, I mean it already does. Like uh, a lot of the record, I wrote riffs with using Guitar Pro, which is like a tablature software. Uh, you know that helped me get out a lot of riffs that I didn't have under my fingers yet. And then just like the ability to record digitally in my own home, and like most people can, they can do that in their own homes. And uh, that technology in itself is like worth like millions of dollars. I think I think it's helped 
quite a bit. And then just like being able to like program drums, you know, with drum samples and then like bass, being able to program bass, being able to program anything you want, like using a computer is like, I think only helped us like, you know, kind of hone like our musical creative out- output and everything. Hmm. Yeah, I just I just realized something I completely forgot to mention. So the uh, I've actually, uh, I suppose it kind of ties in with the technology. So I teach guitar day to day. That's my sort of bread and butter, you know. Um, and a student of mine came to me with one of your riffs and wanted. Oh. And so I think you owe me an apology, frankly, because it's, it's not fun trying to, you know, like it, it was like, yeah, I think I'm doing this bit right. I'm like, I maybe <laughs> like, let me listen. <laughs> like, um tablature or something yeah oh no i think he uh i can't remember if he went off of a playthrough or or whether it was a tab i can't remember exactly but it was it was he wanted to sort of brush up on the techniques and then it was it was interesting actually because we went into like how can you use that stuff in your own you know we're talking about influences right how can you use that in your own style he's a big like dream theater fan as well so it's like how do you, how do we another one where he'll bring me a song i'm like i don't know i don't know what you want me to do um well you know do but like um you know, there was one way he brought me a chord progression. He was like, yeah, I think it's doing this. I'm like, I think it might be too. Let's find out together. Um, it's very much, I feel like that's very much the, the our lessons. Like, um, do, do you kind of, uh, do you get people asking you proper like techie questions about your riffs and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like a lot of technique that goes behind like, you know, playing these, these gnarly riffs. Um, and sometimes it's outside of my playing ability when I write it. And then, I think in learning how to to like play it and perform it has like helped me as a player. So it's like I'm constantly like pushing myself and discovering new ways to play it to make it sound better and make it sound cleaner um, and just kind of more ergonomic on your hands. And yeah, I mean with this kind of music, you know, there's like everything is based on technique, you know. So I think there's like a big uh, appreciation and and understanding for you know certain technique that helps you get through a song or a riff <laughs> yeah 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 there's um a certain level of uh concentration required at the very least for me like trying to uh i just remember he was kind of um showing me the the riffs for the first time and, and i'd heard you guys before but then when he was showing me a few of the other songs he'd been kind of looking at like, okay i need to warm up a little bit before yeah before we it's get involved you can like fuck your muscles up <laughs> yeah what do you think what is like your you know so if he's trying to take in some influence from you what would you what are the things that you're most proud of in your style as a guitarist and as a writer i guess like as well that you would be happiest if you heard someone else put into their music um i guess my style you know like talking about like style or like technique like uh i guess whatever you feel is more important really uh, I mean, I guess with, like my style and writing style, uh, I think that's probably more important. I, I kind of take a little more pride in my my ability to write songs in my playing. Um, but I don't know. I think just it, it's like using the instrument for what it is as an expression and a tool for emotion. And I think that's like like still the most important part of picking up an instrument is like never forgetting why you're picking it up is to let out something, whether you know it or not. Hmm. So okay. So I got a couple, a couple little questions to sort of close up. The um, if you could pick any film that you know that you could put your own music to, so you could completely rewrite. You can go back in history and and do your own thing with the movie. What do you think it would be? I don't know. It's a hard question because a lot of movies that I like, I just I think the score makes sense and it kind of becomes like part of the immersion in in that film is the music that they've they've put with it so i don't really know like if i I don't really know how i'd feel about even trying to redo like a film that i like because it wouldn't feel right (laughs) i don't have any influence from or like anything that i've heard before otherwise it'll affect how i write it so i don't really know how to it'd have to be like a blank slate is there any films that like that you haven't seen or tv series that you haven't seen where it's like you know, those ones where I've not seen the green mile yet. And I feel like I should have seen that by now, you know, uh, I don't know. Like, I guess like something that's interesting that I haven't seen that could be cool to do. 
I didn't I didn't see that Philip K. Dick uh, TV ab- adaptation they did of uh, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? I didn't see that. It's on Amazon, but I would be interested to to score that because uh, you know, like obviously Philip K. Dick is what inspired Blade Runner. So I don't know. I guess it'd just be like my rendition of the Vangelis Blade Runner score over a new TV series. So <laughs> yeah. Nice. And have you seen Oppenheimer? Have you seen that yet? I haven't seen it yet because in LA it's been sold out like the 70 millimeter film, which is like the massive IMAX theater uh, screen. And I don't want to see it any, like, I think it's, it's meant to be seen in the way that Nolan shot it, which was in 70 mil. So I don't, I refuse to watch it other than 70 mil. So I haven't seen it yet because it's been sold out for like weeks and it's continued to be sold out for the next like, three weeks so i'm kind of bummed but <laughs> i i definitely want to see it because i know ludwig what was the name ludwig scored that right yeah 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 uh, but yeah i heard it's like pretty damn incredible it's amazing yeah, yeah yeah i think the uh the thing this is not a spoiler at all but the pacing of the movie so it's a very long movie um you kind of um yeah i would say like don't have any expectations of when things are happening like not when things are happening it sounds like a really dumb way of putting it but um i don't know i kind of yeah i won't try and spoil it there's, i mean there's not much spoiler i guess there's nothing there's no ground breaking stuff going on it's all in the history books i guess but um yeah. yeah i don't know i found the pacing of it was really clever it was really interesting but it threw me off a little bit um i think that's as much as i'll say try and not spoil it for you um i uh i tried not to watch any trailers and but i ended up listening to the the soundtrack at work the other day and i did notice like a very reoccurring motif which is like the clicking it's oh, almost yeah. kind of like what Hans zimmer did with um what was that movie interstellar uh, with the, the, the ticking is that what you're yeah say? it's like the what's that that's another nolan movie the war movie that he did um oh yeah um yeah that's it's one like of the, 40, uh, no that's a different one i forgot the name uh, of it dunkirk dunkirk that's right one of the uh, yeah, there's like a the motif there was you know the clicking sound was which is like a clock ticking because you know the time that they had you know before ships left but uh i think i kind of noticed that too and and when i listened to ludwig's theme and i tried not to like take too much from it but i did notice a very like purposeful ticking sound throughout the entire soundtrack so i imagine that has to do with like a bomb ticking time bomb or something so maybe that's what that meant i thought it was more to do with the is it a Geiger counter is that how you say it? with the radiation you know yeah. I assume that's what yeah. it would maybe be oh yeah that's, again that's, that's really not a spoiler unless I've really not noticed something that's not a you know no uh, that makes that totally makes sense why, why that clicking because that's yeah the radiation uh, meter that's yeah. interesting yeah that's what I thought it might be um, yeah the uh, I think one of the best Nolan scenes is that Spitfire at the end of Dunkirk when it's just totally silent because obviously his engines die doesn't it and it's he's just oh, like oh yeah I just think that's such an amazing scene. I didn't appreciate it the first time. Then I watched it again. I'm like, whoa, I forgot how good that was. I forgot. Did Roger Deakins do the cinematography for that one? Because he's like really big on those massive pano shots. Like, and I think that uh, I think I remember the shot you're talking about is like when he's going and he's hitting the water, and it's like this massive panoramic of him just kind of gliding through the air. Yeah, there's no, there's like no sound happening. And yeah, like a moment like just kind of pure peace it seems like before he crashes but yeah it's just so epic man yeah well he could he lands it and then he blows the, blows it up and then the scene it was it tom hardy with the thing just on fire in front of him and you yeah. see the germans coming over the that's such a good scene man that's so good um goosebumps man that's yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> yeah wicked well i'll get what we'll do is we get a question for the next guest to open my next conversation whenever that is i don't actually know what it's going to be as of now um and uh an artist pick from you as well an artist pick like yeah someone music? someone you want to recommend uh musically uh i think <laughs> ole borud he's in a band called Extol, and he's in another band called flesh killer uh, i highly suggest anyone listen to that guy he's a phenomenal musician he's um justin timberlake meets guthrie govan He's got a voice like Justin Timberlake and can play like Guthrie Govan. He's an absolute genius. I just pictured Justin Timberlake with Guthrie's hair. That's all I was kind of... He looks like... Just kidding. (laughs) No, he's a phenomenal musician. And uh, I had the privilege to meet him when we were in Oslo a couple months ago and got to see him in concert. Um, But yeah, I think that guy's a phenomenal musician. 
Nice. And then a question for uh, for the next guest. Got to start the conversation so you can send me in any direction you want. Are you going to send me in the Spitfire without an engine or the, uh, ah. the uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of another metaphor. It's tough, man. Uh, I guess, metaphor. like, why even play music? Like, why do it? Why? So why even play music or why do it? Because why do it could be I quite fun. Say, like, why would you do it? Like, for to begin with, why would you even do it? Like, what made you decide to do that? Are we are we including? Because are we just? Am I just opening with what would you? What would make you? What was it? Why would you decide to do that? Why would you decide to go into music of all things that can happen in the world? Like that's a good question. Yeah, I I quite like the idea of just saying why would you do that, and that's just the opening. Like no context. Why would you do music? Like of everything that you can possibly do in the world, you can create. You know freaking insane medicine that cures cancer and this and that why would why would you do music oh it's like those memes where do we have a doctor on board and like your yeah. doctor of music or musicology <laughs> or something yeah <laughs> yeah cool and then anything you want to plug to finish up as well uh yeah check out our new record uh data Elysium. uh came out on metal blade records uh july 21st it's available on all streaming platforms uh, you can purchase the record physically. I think you should do that because I think it has a little more it. meaning. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we have like, you know, merch for sale on, on the website, um, metalblade.com or metalbladerecords.com. Um, yeah, just check us out and like, you know, tell us what you think about us. Awesome. Thank you very much, man. Yeah, dude. Thank you.